amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm not altogether sure that we'll have time to get to all the stuff that's in my crawl today. As you might have detected, uh, uh, there's a lot in my crawl today. I'm angry about a lot of stuff. I'm also happy about a lot of stuff, too. So I guess uh, all in all, that balance is out. Thank you, Mr. Barker, for your kind introduction. It's so cool to have as my announcer, a, a, a man who you can't listen to, what I think he said, two hours of television or radio without hearing his voice. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive indeed. Hey, if you want to know the not politically correct truth, this is the show for you, so you've tuned into the right place. Tell your friends. Hey, by the way, I'm trying to open chat. It's not working. So as with many things here in the land of Blog talk radio, just some stuff just doesn't work sometimes. Chat has always seemed to work. I don't know. I just, uh, honest to goodness, I really don't know. I don't know the answer to it. So I apologize to all of you who normally log in the chat. I like seeing all the stuff you have to say. You guys are sharp. I'll keep trying throughout the show. I'm trying again now. It's not working. Um, first, let me let me just first tackle some business. Let me welcome our veterans and active duty audience all around the world. I thank you for listening. Welcome and thank you for all you do. That's so inadequate. It's so weak. I feel like a chump for saying it. If I weren't a veteran and I didn't appreciate people saying thank you as much as they do, um, you know, I wouldn't even say it, but it's, it is amazing what you do. Little or no thanks, little or no appreciation, little or no acknowledgement. Uh, most of the the low information voters around the United States of America have no idea what you do, none whatsoever. But I'm I know what you do, and I know what you've done, and I thank you for it, veterans and active duty audience, special veteran we're reaching out to today. 
uh, over in the sandbox. Thank you so much for going. We're counting the the ticks till you get back. We pray that you and your uh, your compadres get back safely. Chat's not opening. We'll have to try again some other time. Uh, but I I appreciate what you're doing. We miss you here. We miss I miss doing the show. He runs my uh, Facebook page, and and a lot of times when he can listen during the show, I don't know how he does it. I'll I'll say something and he'll immediately post a picture, and I don't have a script, so he darn sure doesn't have a script. So it's just pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, the next thing I, I, I want to say is thank you very much and welcome to our Gold Star families, one in particular. Uh, I know it's listening today. Uh, thank you to Debbie Lee. We love you. We're so proud of you. You did such a great job. Um, uh, Live to Tell is a series on the History Channel. It shows on Sundays, I think at 9 o'clock. Central, 10 o'clock uh, Eastern. And Mark Allen Lee, I'm looking down. Uh, I have, I think, the last, uh, Debbie can correct me, I think I have the last commemorative knife, the last custom-made, bench-made uh, knife, that uh, tactical knife that that was made. And it's the Mark Allen Lee edition and uh, Mark, just a special guy. I mean, just there's just no two ways around it. Anybody that knew him knew that this is a one-of-a-kind experience you're going to have right here. This is once in a lifetime. And he died uh, trying to protect his compadres there, his, his brotherhood, his brothers there on a rooftop. Ryan Joby uh, had just uh, been hit, and they were evacuating him. And, and so that they could get his buddy and his brother out, he uh, he exposed himself not just once but on multiple occasions, and uh, was shot and killed. First Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. But this documentary uh, talks about the, his courageous life and his heroic death. And um, I'm going to say this, and uh, I I want to I I want to say this as delicately as I can, because uh, I take a lot of crap. You know, it's 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 one of those things. I, I take a lot of crap for a lot of stuff. It's hard to know what, um, and a lot of it's bovine feces because, quite frankly, I think sometimes people are too sensitive, and they they whine. You know, they just they just whine enough already. Stop with the whining. You know, stop with the whining. It's it, it's enough already. Um. I have hold on a second here. I thought we had chat fixed, but we don't. Uh, I, I have friends in very unique places, as many of you are aware, right? You guys all know that. You figured that out by now. I have a unique experience in life. Let's just say that. Is that fair to say? And in that unique experience, I get exposed to some very unique and amazing people. I, I tend to believe that I'm one of the luckiest people on the planet. I, I really do. If that if that's not arrogant to say, I, if it's arrogant to say, then I guess that's stupid. Why would anybody have a problem with that? Believing that you're you're blessed and lucky and fortunate isn't a bad thing. I think 
I think that's a beautiful thing. Right? I think it's a beautiful thing. But ultimately, a lot of the people that I interface with, for for whatever reason, uh, are Tier 1 operators. They're uh, SEALs and Delta and, you know, Tier 1 operators. You guys know what that is, right? Um, So because they're my friends and their families are my friends and we have experiences together, I have a sensitivity to them. I, I have a connection to them. I have an, a, a special appreciation. Do you know what I'm saying? I think you guys get what I'm saying. So I take a lot of bovine feces because I talk a lot about seals and I talk a lot about Delta and Green Berets and Rangers and uh, you know all the different special forces. And I think anybody that knows me personally Anybody that's been around me knows that that I have an appreciation for all veterans and all active duty, no matter what you do. I, I look, I you don't even have to be combat. You don't have to have had combat if you're a clandestine service. You don't have to have been in uh, in the theater. You don't have to have been hurt for me to have a great appreciation for what you do. You know what people. You need to understand that if you've never been in the military, every single component of the military is important. Every single one. Seriously. Every single one. No matter what they do. And and yes, including the barbers and the cooks and the the people who get in supplies and all of that. You know, they're important. Look, if we can't eat, guess what we don't do? We don't fight. If SEALs can't eat, they can't fight. If Rangers can't eat, they can't fight. If somebody doesn't order the rounds of ammunition and explosives and all the other accoutrement of battle and war, guess what happens? War doesn't happen. Stuff's got to be ordered. People got to do stuff. Uh, you know, fighter pilots and, and all that get a lot of the glory. But you know what? who's equally as important? Transport pilots, pilots who get the equipment, the material in, into the into the theater without getting it all shot up, getting it in there safely, getting the troops in there, getting the food in there to the people that cook the food. Everybody's important. Everybody works together. Everybody does. It's not just the SEALs. It's not just the... Delta guys, it's not just the CIA clandestine force, it's not any of those people, exclusively. It's everybody, it's the whole team. You know who we could do without? Say it with me, the politicians. I wrote a a poem, at some point I'm going to read it, I don't remember if I ever did read it on this radio station, if I can find it. I might have read it when I was over at Toginet, I I don't remember, but it's a long poem. I wrote it many, many years ago, and believe it or not, I wrote it in about 10 minutes. I was so moved by... It's called I'm Coming Home, Ma. I don't remember if I've ever read it on the air. It's very difficult for me to read. 
you know, I, I don't, I just, I don't remember if I ever did. I have to locate it in my desk drawer here. But I'm not going to read it today. But but I I said all that to say this that that as 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 much as I love Debbie Lee and Karen and Billy Vaughn and 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 uh, Mrs. Workman and and Charlie and Marianne Strange and so many other Gold Star families I mean so many of them my goodness so many of them I got to tell you they would be the first to tell you everybody matters. Every single soldier, whether they're 17 or 18 years old or they're 45 years old and they're on their ninth deployment, every single person matters. Whether they sew on buttons onto uniforms or fix uniforms or whether they fix guns or whether they cook food, whether they cut hair, whether they enter data into a computer, it does, all of it's important, every bit of it. But I'm here to tell you, as it relates to Mark Allen Lee, AO2 Mark Allen Lee, first United States Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. You can watch this uh, Live to Tell. It's called Live to Tell. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely a phenomenal job. It's a series, and it'll be on next week, too, and, and the week after that, and the week after that. And I'm glad they're doing it. History Channel, Sunday nights. But as it relates to Mark Allen Lee, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, folks. You know who hero children are born to? They're most often the product of amazing parents. And I can tell you, Debbie Lee, Mark Allen Lee's mom, amazing. She's my friend. She's my sister. She's my sister in Christ. We've been through some stuff together. Uh, She is top-notch. And she raised a top-notch son. You know who else I think is top-notch? My prayers right now go out to my friend Charlie Strange, and the the story of his son Michael Strange is about to be done. Michael Strange, you probably don't know this unless you've listened to this show for a, a while, is one of the best cryptologists, code breakers, one of the best in the world. He was killed in Extortion 17 with Dev Grewer, SEAL Team 6. I believe Michael and, and so many other great heroes, they were killed by, I, in this administration, I absolutely believe this, folks, and, you know, Look, you can say I'm Mr. Hyperbole if you want. You can say whatever you want to say. I don't really care. You know, you can say I'm full of bovine feces. It doesn't matter to me. I'm telling you, based on my research, I believe Michael Strange and Aaron Carson Vaughn and and uh, Jason Workman and so many others, so many others, Hamburger and, and just a long list of 30-some people. I believe they were killed by our government, intentionally. Say what you want about that. We'll talk about that more in another time. One of these days, I'm going to do a whole show on that. I want to thank you also to the the folks that have been praying for my friend Chris Cahalan. Chris is home. He's on a feeding tube, but he's alive, and he's working hard to be well. You guys have been uh, waging hope for Chris and his family, and please don't stop. He's, they're trying to up his intake of food, uh, of real food. And uh, he, he is still on a thing, too, but they want to try to, you know, look, you got to eat, folks. You got to eat. I don't, you know, no matter what your issue is, you got to eat. In his case, it was pancreas cancer. He had essentially all of his guts cut out and some stuff cut out of his guts. 
some of some of his innards got put back and some of them didn't. So there's probably thousands of stitches inside and outside his body. It's absolutely astounding. So he's got a lot of pain from the recovery that's going on inside his body. Not just the external stitches, but the inside stitches, the internal stuff. And they're huge in number, so there's going to be a lot of a lot of healing. But continue to pray for that. I'm 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 praying that he will uh, increase in strength. Also continue to pray for a man named Joe. He was critically injured several weeks ago. He's on his fourth or fifth surgery. He's got more surgeries to go. They've actually got to put his ribs back where they belong. That's how serious the crash was. Absolutely astounding. But he's doing well. He's improving. And uh, I'll pray for Courtney and Sean down in Florida. Uh, that is a situation. We won't go into great detail there, but uh, suffice to say, you know, they need your prayers. By the way, uh, we do all this on our own, out of our own pocket. So if you feel like uh, donating, you believe what we do, believe in what we do, donate page of theninjapastor.com. If you go to theninjapastor.com, there's a donate button there, donate page. It explains what we do. Everything goes right back into the show. And so what you can do is uh, you can help a lot by helping things go viral. Here's how you make things go viral. You know, if it's a call thing, there's a number to call, you make the calls and then you share you go to the website that's talked about. In this case, it's theninjapastor.com. You post the same message. You forward it. If it's Facebook or it's Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever, or Instagram, whatever the case may be, you, you, you forward it. You share it with all your people, not just once but multiple times. You copy and paste it if you use email, email lists. You send it to everybody on your list. And you ask each person to do the same thing. That's how you make things viral. That's how you do that. And and I'm sad to say it's it's you know, I do YouTube videos and some of the craziest videos. Look, I had a, a picture I did, photograph I did. My son and I were uh we went to Georgia and we were on the outskirts, we were maybe an hour or so from our destination, some dear friends of Brock's and Marietta, Georgia, and we uh we stopped and, and we got a little something because we we had waited too long and if you see my son and I were both big guys and so we need our calories. We need our groceries. So we stopped to get a little something, take the edge off, and and uh, we got a receipt. And this was a couple of years ago, I think it was. And uh, it, there was a Christian message on the receipt. And I just posted that. I took a picture of it at, right there at the Burger King, and I just posted it. I want you to know that that uh, has millions of hits and shares. Thirty-some thousand comments last time I looked at it, which was, what, a year ago. 30-some thousand comments. Just a simple little picture of a receipt. Things can go viral and it can make the big difference. You may say, well, why do you want something to go viral? Because I do this out of my pocket, all of my expense. So it would be nice if if we could parlay this into something that would support itself. So that's that's what we're talking about there. So we say so many things in this day and age that mean nothing. We waste words and we waste precious oxygen speaking nothingness into the air. And and I often wonder, what becomes of the refuse of the idle mind? The garbage that floats away, the worthless, wasted words. Today we learn in a different way. We learn a different way, we learn a better way. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes 5, 3-4, If you make a vow to God, don't delay in discharging discharging it. For God takes no pleasure in fools, so discharge your vow. Better to not make a vow than to make a vow and not discharge it. 
Resolution time again. Last week on Sunday, I talked about new beginnings and resolving to be resolved, knowing what you believe, what matters most to you, and continually doing it. Resolutions are limited. It has to be real, folks. It can't be magic or require foo-foo magic dust. Walmart is not having a sale on foo-foo magic dust. Sorry to tell you. It's not in the circular. I checked right before we went on air. That, folks, was the open from yesterday's broadcast, which is available for free, no charge to you, commercial-free on uh, theninjapastor.com. If you've tuned in through the portal of blogtalkradio.com backslash theninjapastor, uh, you can listen there. It's free there. It's free on iTunes. It's already posted there. And we had over 40,000 listeners on Sunday. Last week, we had over 600,000 listeners uh, to our Monday show. So if you listen next week, you'll be glad you did. There's another awesome message coming. I, I just know it. So a wounded police officer. <clears throat> you guys heard about this, right? The, the uh, wounded Philadelphia police officer. He shoots his attacker. Maybe there's more information that's needed. He he is a police officer, a unit, uh, a uh, Phil, you know, state or a city of Philadelphia police officer, right? You get this, right? Okay, we got that part of it. City of Philadelphia police officer. He's a he's in a police car. Philly, they call them cruisers, and he's at an intersection. It's nighttime, dark, and this dude, wearing all Muslim garb, comes running from the other side of the street, yelling. Of course, the police officer stops because that's what they do, rolls his window down. What's up? Guy runs toward him. It's all on video, folks. You can see it. It's on my webpage. It's on, uh, not on my, it's on uh, Facebook. It's on my Facebook. The, the actual video of the shooting in the aftermath, it's on Facebook. So, I, you know, maybe you doubt what the what the ninja pastor is saying. You can look at it for yourself. You dig what I'm saying? This guy is wearing all Muslim garb. He's a black guy. He's got the Muslim beard. He's got the kufi. He's got the, you know, the, the robe on. He's got a folded up ISIS flag. He's shouting, Alu Akbar, Alu Akbar. Runs toward the police officer's cruiser. Of course, the police officer does not stomp the gas, doesn't put it in reverse. He he just sits there. Because you're being shot at, you're like, holy crap, I'm being shot at. What do I do? And they don't get a lot of practice in that. So he sits there, and he gets shot. Eleven rounds are fired. Three hit him. He may lose an arm, actually, is what I'm hearing today. It's how bad. Severed an artery in his arm. Uh, completely shattered his arm. I mean, he was mortally wounded. I mean, really seriously, seriously wounded, I should say. The guy in the Muslim garb, shouting Alu Akbar, goes right up to the vehicle, shoves the gun in the vehicle, and shoots in point-blank range. He turns and he starts to run. By the way, by the way, I just so you know, he did not receive that gun. The bad guy did not receive the gun from the NRA. He did not receive that from the NRA. The NRA did not come to his neighborhood with a big van and uh, unscrupulous NRA that they are, or unscrupulous gun dealers. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. And just drop off a pile of guns and say, here, go kill each other, 
kill white people, kill cops. We don't care. Just kill them. Because we're unscrupulous NRA and gun dealers, and we don't care. So he, he's, the gun is a stolen, it's a, it's a police officer's gun that was stolen. Okay, you got that? Police officer's gun that was stolen. He didn't get it at a gun show. He did not. This is not an example of the gun show loophole, folks. Not an example of the gun show loophole. An example of the gun. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Is anybody following me? See, I don't know because I don't have, I don't have the chat. The chat. I get so much great feedback from the chat. I absolutely hate that we don't have that. Hate that. This chat is just boss. Straight up boss. We'll see if we can't uh, get it to work. As you know, I sent a message to uh, the folks at Blog Talk Radio and have not heard back. So we'll keep moving. So he so he he shoves the gun right in there, shoots the shoots the police officer at point blank range, and as he's running off, the police officer opens the door. Gets his gun, chases after the guy, shoots him, shoots him in the butt. I wish he'd have shot him in the back of his head. Ventilated his cranium all over the sidewalk. But, hey, now he's going to receive a trial. When asked by the detectives, why'd you do this, their angry man? He says, did you not hear me saying Alu Akbar? This is for ISIS? Because this is... uh." This is for ISIS. This is for Islam. He pledged his allegiance to ISIS, despite the new ultra-liberal mayor, Kenny. He says, no, no, no. No, 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 no. I have that video on my Facebook, too. No, 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 uh-uh. I won't let you spread your hate here. This is not ISIS. This is not Islam. This is some violent act, but it doesn't have anything to do with Islam or Muslims at all. Nothing to do with it. It's not related to Muslims at all. Not at all. He's just a guy that's angry. He might have grown up in, in a in a one-bedroom apartment. He might have had to have school lunches provided to him. He probably was embarrassed. Maybe he grew up in a trailer home. I don't know. Well, he can't blame... Well, wait a second. Maybe we can. Wait a second. I'm going to backtrack on something real quick. Well, let me ask you this, and maybe this will make more sense to you. How exactly do we know when to believe Muslims? When they're saying to us, look, I'm committing this act of terrorism in the name of Islam. This is for ISIS. This is for jihad. When do we believe them and when do we not? Apparently, we're never to believe them. Apparently, we just can't believe them. We can't ever believe them. We do not have the appropriate training. We do not have the appropriate training to believe or not believe. Well, first of all, you should never believe them, the Muslims, when they say they're going to blow us up. Apparently, you don't believe that. When they say death to America and Iran, you should never believe that because they're just saying that. When they say they're going to cut heads off, don't believe that. 
Look, that's not Islam. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. You can't believe it. They're just angry. That's all. That's not Islam. Look, if if they point to their Quran and their Surah nine, and they and they point go down the ones you know, and where they have to kill us and cut our heads off and all these things, take the swords of the neck of the you know, don't believe that. Yeah, I know I see it in writing, but don't believe it. There's no no need to believe it. No need whatsoever. I have to wonder: Does this mayor Kenny? Does he work for ISIS? Is he the mayoral representative of ISIS that, you know, debunks everything they do, or does he validate it? When, wh- at what point, does the left come out and say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you know what? This is ISIS. This is Islam. These are Muslims cutting heads off when it's their own head." Because you know what? They're coming after them. Well, they keep them alive for now because they're their mayoral representative. Duly elected. Can't kill him. He's our friend. Oh, Dr. Sean, Ninja Pastor, that's hyperbole. That's so mean. That's inflammatory. No, it's not. It's the truth, and you know it. You know it. For Pete's sake. Well, you know what, Mayor... Mayor Kenny might have received a class. Look, I have 11 years of, of, of postgraduate education. Maybe I did not get the class to determine. I might not have registered for it. I might not have seen it at Good Lands. If I'd have seen it on the syllabus, I would. I might have. I, you know, they didn't offer it at my school. But maybe I could. Is there a place I can go? Liberal University? I don't know. But maybe Mayor Kenny. You know, he's only been on the job for what a couple of weeks, a week or so. Maybe he received the class that I didn't. Who should we believe about the motive of a crime? Should we believe the criminal, person who did the crime, or should we believe Mayor Kenny and the liberal left? Because I can assure you of this. If the punk, coward, Muslim, rat, bag, I'll I'll not go on. It's a family show. That did this shooting, if they were in any way linkable, to the Tea Party or any other white-dominated group, including Christians, this mayor would have gladly laid it out that this was a racist, white, Christian hate crime. He would have been with no delay. Well, you know, uh, citizens of Philadelphia, this was, I believe, the Tea Party. A a white Christian faction anti-government Tea Party. That's what this was that did this. And he doesn't even have to say it. You see, he doesn't even have to say it. The person that does the crime doesn't have to say it. If there wasn't video of it, the guy being a black guy and the mayor's, who are we looking at for this crime? Well, uh, we're looking at for a male uh, possibly a female, um, you know, probably Tea Party, anti-government. You know how they are, and they're probably Christian, because Christians, especially white Christians, they hate all government, they hate all good people. If there wasn't video of this guy in a Muslim kufi and a Muslim robe. Shouting Alu Akbar, 
and tons of witnesses saying he was shouting Alua Akbar. And then the detective released, which I'm sure the detective's going to get in trouble, that, yeah, he said he did this for ISIS. He said he, when we searched him, he had an ISIS flag on him. No, he's just saying that. Citizens of Philadelphia, you know what you ought to do? You ought to impeach the mayor. And if you're not, if if you don't think that will be successful, you know what you ought to do? You ought to go to the to the mayor's office right now. There ought to be ought to be a hundred and fifty thousand of you. The mayor's office right now. And you know what you ought to do? You know what you ought to do? Got to bang on the door. And you ought to tell them you have two ways to leave this office. I suggest you take the one where you're walking fast. Leave everything here. Don't do like the rest of you liberals do when you steal crap like the Clintons did. Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stuff they stole from the White House. Don't do like them. You just keep moving. Keep moving. We'll have to elect somebody that that has eyes, has reason, because we need somebody that knows what they're doing. You know what, America? Philadelphia has a huge Muslim population. Did you know that? They do. They keep it on the DL, but they absolutely do. So Ben Brumfield and Shimon Propix and Ray Sanchez from CNN, this is, uh, they shot video and wrote a report and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of high headlines. I was reading them earlier. Officer shot while sitting in car. Report officer shot in police car. ISIS-inspired attempt. Video shows suspect shoot police officer. Officer shot while sitting in car. ISIS-inspired attempted execution of Philadelphia cop. Wounded officer Jesse Hartnett is in critical but stable condition, Philadelphia police say. Archer told them, this is the guy, Archer, did the, did the crime, Edward Archer, Muslim. I pledge my allegiance to ISIS. This is what the Philadelphia police say. CNN says that at a crosswalk in Philadelphia, a man dressed in a long white mantle, that is a uh, Muslim garb, stormed officer Jesse Hartnett's squad car and unloaded a gun at him. Edward Archer would tell police later, he's 30 years old, by the way, that he attacked for ISIS. Hartnett's bravery in the face of mortal danger would ensure the suspect didn't get away. The shooter was firing as he approached Hartnett's car on foot late Thursday. Surveillance camera footage shows him continuing to fire as he even reached inside the lower the lower driver's side window. He was trying to assassinate this police officer, Police Commissioner Richard Ross said. The Philadelphia Inquirer reports that there's an image, and I have it on my Facebook, uh, from the video. There's the actual video. It's it's all there. So go to Facebook.com backslash uh, SM Greener, maybe, or Sean Greener. I don't know what. Or God and Country Radio. You can do that one. Click on like, whatever. Three times he shot at close range, by the way. Jesse Hartnett, three times. All the bullets hit his left arm, shattered his elbow, pierced the major artery, tore through nerves. He's 33 years old, by the way. He was alone, patrolling alone. Wouldn't have made a difference, by the way. I don't know that, you know, and I've listened to the radio, the whole radio call when he called in. Shots fired, shots fired. I'm bleeding heavily, he shouted. I'm bleeding. Get us another unit out here. Who's us? By himself. 
backup swarmed in, as I know from being a police officer, I'm telling you, something like that comes over the air. I don't care what report you're taking. You leave everything behind and you go as quickly as you possibly can to get there to help your brother or your sister. It was in West Philadelphia this happened. Thursday night, by the way. His buddy Johnny Castro heard the call and he raced toward the scene. He said, I was only two minutes away, but it felt like it took me an hour. I've been there. I know what that feels like. We almost crashed three separate times get to, to get to you, he wrote in an open Facebook letter to Hartnett, celebrating his survival. Castro gave a play-by-play of what happened next. Like Castro, many officers were swarming to Hartnett's location. In the meantime, the officer's wounds did not keep him down. With his left arm dangling by his side, he hopped out of his police car, gun drawn in his right hand, and chased Archer, surveillance video showed. Hartnett fired, hitting the fleeing man in the buttocks. Other officers chased after the shooter and caught him a block away, the smoking pistol still in his possession. Two officers put Hartnett into their patrol car and rushed him to a hospital where surgeons worked to stop the bleeding. Archer was arraigned Saturday on charges of attempted murder, aggravated assault, assault on a police officer, reckless endangerment, and firearms offenses, police said. It was not known whether Archer entered a plea. He is being held without bail and has not yet been assigned a public defender, a court official said. Let me interrupt myself here. You may or may not like this, and it really at this point it doesn't really matter because I'm leaning into it and there's no stopping it now. <clears throat> there was a time where this guy would have never made it. He would have never made it to be asked, so why did you do this? He would, he would have never made it to be questioned by police. It was obvious he's the guy smoking guns in his hand. Obviously, the police officers swarming to the scene. They couldn't see the video. That's something they had to download. You know, that's not a live feed on everybody's police car. You don't see that. So, you know, the, you know what we have the benefit of seeing now, they didn't see then. But I can tell you this. There was a time where that guy, you talk about Wilmington, Delaware. Wilmington, Delaware is a, a really crime-ridden place, not that far from Philadelphia, 20, 25 minutes. The top five murder capitals in the United States of America per capita. Everybody will lie to you about who's committing all the murders, but it's black men killing black men over drugs, money, power, and guns. They're killing each other with stolen guns. They're not get, killing each other over guns purchased through the gun show loophole, which is non-existent. They're not buying them willy-nilly on the Internet. Talk about that more in a little bit. The president is a liar. Hussein Obama is a flat-out liar and should be impeached for being a liar, in addition to being one of the enemy. But you know what? Years ago, when I was a police officer, not that that makes everything better. It was a lot of years ago, and we did things differently. But I have to tell you, uh, I remember uh, being taken aside and saying, look, one of these guys, one of these people ever hurts a police officer and you know for sure it's them, they pay. We send a message. Because you know what? If you don't send a message, they'll not be afraid of us. And you know what needs to happen for society to be safe? They need to be afraid of us. People say, I want the police to be approachable. I want them to be like a, like a school tutor. I want them to be like a friend walking the street. No, you don't. No, no, you sure don't. 
You don't. You know why? Because police officers have to eliminate the danger. You know what eliminate means? It means to kill. And now danger is ISIS. Danger is Al-Qaeda. Danger is Islam, and that's what you got to kill. You don't, you don't come alongside. You don't try to win its heart and mind. You kill it. And you know what? If a person is not afraid of a police officer, they're far less afraid of you. Because you know what? Your president wants to disarm you. He doesn't want to. He's going to. I, I don't know that the average American public has what it takes to fight this back. I just don't. I'm sorry to tell you. I just don't think the average American has what it takes to retain their right under the Second Amendment to keep and bear arms. I just don't think that. Because you know what? Let me tell you something. There's no reason in this world President Barack Hussein Obama should ever be in office, let alone still be in office. But when he comes out and he says, hey, I'm going to do whatever I can on executive action. I've met with my Iranian Muslim Brotherhood chief advisor, Valerie Jarrett, and I and, and we've decided. Oh, and I also called in my uh, my white hating, extremely white hating. Attorney general. And, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to find a way to get around the Constitution, that stupid, stupid document that's designed so poorly. Let me tell you something, folks. I don't say this lightly. I just don't know. I just don't know what it will take. Muslims got on planes legally. And all they had was box cutters, because that's what they were allowed to bring on board. They got on planes. They killed a bunch of people. They killed the pilots. They jumped in the seats, and they flew the planes into the Twin Towers. They flew the planes into the Pentagon. They flew them into a... They were headed for the Capitol. And, and other planes. We know for a fact there were other planes in the air that, because they were grounded... Their plot was foiled. We know they don't care. But we know 19 of the hijackers were from Saudi Arabia and they were Muslim, every single one. Between the ages of, what, 18 and 34. Young Muslim men. You know what I think we should start looking for? Young Muslim men. Because all of the hijackers were young Muslim men. We should also keep our eyes out for friends of young Muslim men. Because anybody that would be friends with them is a suspect as far as I'm concerned. But back to Wilmington, Delaware. There was a time in Wilmington, Delaware before things got out of control with the political correctness and the soft governance. When you got tuned up, you raised your hand to a police officer. You raised a weapon to a police officer. You got tuned up. You hurt an old person. You hurt a kid. You got tuned up. You might or might not make it back safely. 
at your arraignment might well be in a police in a in a uh, a, a hospital bedroom. You say, "Oh, we can't have that." Judge and jury, you're at what you're advocating is wrong. I'm not advocating anything that was wrong. I'm telling you that's how it was. And as dumb as criminals are, they needed one tune-up to help them understand. You know what I'm not going to do next time? I'm not going to raise my gun or my knife or my hand to a police officer. Police officer says, get on the ground, get on your knees, put your hands behind your back. I'm going to do what they say. You know why? Because they'll kill me. They'll put me in a police car and they will kill me. But you know what they know now? They know now that soft American people get all offended when they see a police officer tuning somebody up. and They go, oh, we can't have that. Oh, that hurts my psyche. Where's my pink shirt, anti-bully shirt? Look, you you may not like how the sheepdog keeps the wolves away from the sheep. But that sheepdog takes its teeth and it tears into the neck of a wolf. And it shakes until the wolf's neck breaks. And that wolf can't hurt any more of the sheep. And then the sheepdog sweetly but vigilantly trots back to its bunch of sheep, bunch of little lambs. And it says, okay, buddy, I'm back on the job. Yeah, I'm a little bloody, but it'll be all right. Enjoy your grass. Look, if you want to, if you want your kids to sit and and play video games, stupid video games all day long. By the way, Ted Cruz's mom. Thank you, uh, Jerry from Pennsylvania. Ted Cruz's mom was born at St. Francis Hospital in Wilmington, Delaware. Great tidbit. Got some origins here in Wilmington. A helicopter was flying around where I live today. I don't know what he's doing in the area. I don't. Maybe he's not in the area. Maybe he's getting his helicopter repaired because I don't know if you know, but around where I live, there's two or three locations where uh, some of the top places in the United States to get your aircraft repaired and maintenance. So I don't know. I don't know if he's meeting with somebody or what he's doing or if he wasn't even on it maybe. But look, there was a time, there was a time where police officers' lives mattered. But you know whose life matters now? Black lives. Gay lives. Lazy lives, lying lives, Muslim lives. Farmers' lives don't matter. Apparently farmers and ranchers, their lives don't matter. White people's lives, they don't matter. Not a whit. Christian lives, they don't matter. Not a bit. Taxpayer lives, they don't matter. There was a time where you raised your hand, you let somebody raise your hand to a police officer, and you watch and see what happened to you. You're going to take some lumps, and that's how it ought to be. Oh, Ninja Pastor, what about turn the other cheek? Yeah, keep doing that. Let me know how that works out for you. By the way, at this point in time, we don't know whether Archer has entered a plea, the guy who did this crime. We do know he's being held without a bail. He's not been assigned a public defender. Uh, that's, that's still waiting. But what we do know, this is what we do know according to Philadelphia Police Captain James Clark, he's the commander of the homicide unit, you know, the one that investigates murders. We do know that Archer was very specific about his uh, his motivation. I follow a law. 
I pledge my allegiance to an Islamic State, and that's why I did what I did, Archer said, according to Philadelphia Police Captain James Clark, commander of the homicide unit. He believed that the police defend laws that are contrary to the teachings of the Quran, Commissioner Ross said. Ruh-roh. Somebody speaking off script here. Because here's a little problem with that, folks. Uh, I don't know how many months ago I did a show where I said, this is if I'm running for president, this is what I'm going to do. You're going to elect me. This is what you can expect. And one of the things I said is no more Muslims at all for any reason in any job in the military. No more Muslims, police officers. No more Muslims in elected office. If you're Muslim, you can't run for office. Any office, dog catcher or otherwise, I don't care. If it has anything to do with water or, or nuclear regulatory commission or anything like that, you ain't going to work there, bubba. Habib is not going to do the job. Muhammad is not going to be on the job. School teacher, sorry, can't do the job. Processing food or providing food, sorry, can't do it. Gasoline, sorry, can't do it. Why? Because each one of those is too dangerous to the average American person. You say, but I'm a peaceful Muslim. I don't care. Spoke up when they first started killing, oh, I don't know, hundreds of years ago. It's a very important thing that Commissioner Ross said that the uh, archer said. He believed that the police defend laws that are contrary to the teachings of the Quran. Laws that are contrary to the teachings of the Quran are laws that we live by. Guess what? You can't live in the United States of America if you are Muslim. Say what you want about Trump. I'm a Ted Cruz guy through and through. But you say what you want about Trump. He said what is true. They don't fit in our society. Because Muslims hate pork, beer, dogs, bikinis, Jesus, and freedom of speech. The heck do they come to America for? Why? They come to take it away. And they're not just taking that away. They're coming to take your life. That's so harsh, Dr. Sean. I don't care. Suck it up, buttercup. It's time to get real. He believed that the police defend laws that are contrary to the teachings of the Quran. Archer, who is from Yadin, a Philadelphia suburb, traveled to Saudi Arabia in 2011 and Egypt in 2012, FBI Special Agent Eric Rona said. Listen, you want to tell me you're going to depend on the FBI and even the CIA? I have obviously a special affection for the CIA. They have been so... They, they, they have been neutered by the liberal left. Sorry to be redundant. The FBI can't keep up with all these guys, and neither can the CIA. Travel to Saudi Arabia is normal for Muslims who were required once in their lifetimes to complete the Hajj pilgrimage to Mecca. Investigators do not know if Archer had any connection to ISIS or other terrorists. You know what I'm going to tell you? Doesn't matter. He said it. Kill him. Take him out on the street, put it on the news, put a gun to his head, drop a round in his cranium, kick him into a shallow hole. Don't put any sort of uh, whatever you want to call it, headstone or whatever on there. I don't care. Put him at the dump. I, they're worthless to me. But every life matters. You're a preacher. Yeah. Every life matters until you decide to do evil at which time you get a, a round in the cranium. You get your cranium ventilated. That's how this works. Mayor Jim Kenney, what did he have to say, Mr. Sharp Guy? Jim Kenney said the shooting had nothing to do with Islam. It is abhorrent, he said. It does not represent the religion in any shape or form of any or any of the teachings. 
Mayor Jim Kenney, internationally known expert on Islam, reader of the Quran, not once, not twice, but three times, reader of Umdur al-Salik, which is the Reliance of the Traveler, a 1,400-page document, not once, but twice, studied Islam in his undergrad, his grad, both of his grads, and then uh, both of his uh, postgrads. Yeah, spent his whole life since 1983 dealing with Islam. He's an expert. Oh, wait, that's me. Because Mayor Jim Kennedy's Jim Kennedy's been doing nothing, Mayor of Philadelphia, been doing, doing nothing but espousing liberal pro-union junk to get himself elected. He doesn't know the first thing about Islam. He doesn't know the first thing about what's in the Quran. You know what he depends on to tell him what's in the Quran? Other talking eggheads, liberals, who tell him the Quran is not an angry document. It is a loving and peaceful document. And the, 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 the religion, which is not a religion, of Islam is a peaceful religion. And the people of Islam are peaceful people. He doesn't know the first thing because he's an idiot and a fool, and he should be removed forcibly from office because he is too dumb. Or the only other thing that I can assume, I have to assume this, is that he's one of them. Because you know what? If you're like Bo Bergdahl, and you support the enemy, if you don't kill the enemy, you are a supporter of the enemy. If you don't stop the enemy, then you aid and abet the enemy. And I have to assume Mayor Jim Kennedy, Kenny, needs to be removed from office, forcibly if necessary. Imam Asim Abdul Rashid, head of the mosque one block away from an address associated with Archer the shooter, condemned the attack. He said he did not know whether the alleged shooter attended his mosque. How about a little bit about Archer's criminal history? How about that? How about we look into what we know are facts? Archer was armed with a 9mm Glock 17 that was reported stolen in 2013 from the home of a police officer. Police said. Not a gun show loophole. Not a gun show loophole. That I'm shocked right now that um, President Barack Hussein Obama, your your president, hasn't come out and said, hey, you know what we need to do? We need to ban police officers removing their weapons from the police station. When they finish their tour, they need to lock it in a safe there at the police station, and then we need to put armed guards on that police station, and they need to go home unarmed. Because if nobody out there has a gun, in fact, you know what, why are police officers even carrying guns? If nobody has guns, dadgummit, let's just get rid of them. All of them. So then the police officers can just say stop or yell stop louder if they don't stop. It's one of the things that you regret the most when an officer's gun is stolen that is used against one of your own, Commissioner Ross said. You know what we do with a gun, old school? Your gun gets stolen and it's used on a crime against a police officer. Guess what you do? You take one of those rounds and you put them in the cranium of the person that did that shooting. A useless piece of scum, piece of dirt, 
piece of bovine feces, worse than that. And then you take the empty round, the the, uh, the empty casing. You drill a hole through it. You put it on a necklace. You make a necklace out of it. You put it on a chain. And you hand it to the police officers whose life was almost taken. That's what you do. Take the trash out every single day. You send a message first. Bury him with a bunch of bacon, my friend Jerry says. Amen, brother. Bury him with a bunch of bacon. Archer's been in trouble with the law before over gun violence. He was arrested in 2012 after a domestic dispute. Archer pulled a small black and silver semi-automatic handgun from his waist and pointed it toward the complainant's stomach while grabbing the complainant's shirt, according to the affidavit for probable cause. He pleaded guilty to assault, carrying a gun without a license, court record show at the time. Of the Thursday attack, Archer was out on probation and scheduled to be sentenced on Monday for careless driving, forgery, and driving with a suspended or revoked license in a 2014 case. And you know what we could be talking about today? We could be talking about a police funeral, but instead, Jesse Hartnett is in critical but stable condition. All of his colleagues are are astonished at the man's... Look, you can't watch this video and can't be... When this dude gets out of this police car and goes after this mutt and shoots him in the rear, you you can't help but to be amazed. You can't help but to scratch your head and go, "There's no way this dude could be there." Just like the people that look at my police, look at my uh, my car after my crash, they've looked at it. The experts have looked at it, and they've said, "There's no way the driver survived." That's this kind of situation. You can't watch the video and go, "Wow, man." He's a, I can't believe that. Dude's alive? It should have been a hundred times worse, his buddy Castro wrote. Not as many not many people would have survived an ambush like that. He got the drop on you and had every intention of killing a cop, Castro wrote in the post, which has since disappeared from public view on his Facebook page. The nine millimeter Glock seventeen can hold seventeen rounds in a standard magazine. Police said at least eleven shots were fired at Hartnett. His will to live undoubtedly saved his life, and we are ever so thankful to God that he is here today because he could easily have been a police funeral. Commissioner Ross said, you know, this Commissioner Ross has said some stuff here. First of all, he acknowledged the existence and the reality of God. They ought to fire him for that. And then you've got got, uh, him releasing information. You know, that he was a Muslim, and they did it for Islam. Releasing the statement that he said he believed that the police defend laws that are contrary to teaching of the Quran. Man, I don't know if this guy's going to still have a job. Philadelphia police officer Jesse Hartnett will need multiple surgeries, Ross said. But Hartnett's father, Robert, told the CNN affiliate KYW his son is improving. His father is feeling positive now that I'm seeing he's waking up. Archer was treated for a gunshot wound to his buttocks and released from the hospital, police said. Ain't that always the way? Ain't that always the way? The bad guy, you you, you get a bunch of cops with a bunch of training, you give them the best equipment that you, the lawyers will allow you to carry, and you turn them loose. And this guy gets a shot in the butt and he's released. The other guy gets three rounds and shatters his elbow. Probably never work again. 
what it's looking like at this point, but people are in the know. Do you understand what I'm saying to you folks? This dude should have never, and I'm not, look, it's just like the cameras caught this, when, when the, the commission of this crime, the cameras probably would have also caught this guy taken around in his cranium by a police officer. Oh, his hands are up. Oh, he shot him more than one time. Where are all the people complaining about how many rounds were fired? You know, the left loves to complain. They love to point out, oh, he shot him 37 times. He shot him 11 times when it's a police officer firing the gun. You know what you're taught when you're a police officer? Keep shooting until the threat is eliminated. Drop your gun, drop your gun, drop your gun. And at that point, boom, 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 until what? He drops the gun. And I love these people who've never fired a gun. They don't know the first thing about uh, terminal wound velocity. They don't know anything about ballistics. They don't know anything about fighting for your life. But you know what they know about? They know about being whiny, pasty-skinned punks who have no business commenting on anything that grown folks do. And they love to go on and on and on, carping about, uh, he, he didn't have to fire. Why didn't he shoot him in the knee? Because that's not how we do. You bunch of whiners, shut up. Go back inside and eat your kale. Chew on your, your, your organic grass and let the grown folks handle their business. Because I'm tired of listening to you whine. Let the grown folks protect America because you clearly aren't capable of it. But you know what? I'll add this to it. <clears throat> we deserve some of the blame because we've been awful quiet far too long. We've been awful quiet far too long. We, 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 we allow things like this uh, to be said. Uh, you know, the police officer fired, uh, you can see on the film, the police officer fired 16 times and, and shot the guy. Well, the guy still had the knife in his hand, so he keeps firing. Did he need to fire 16 times? No, he's been charged with murder. You guys got what you're looking for. You should be happy. The fact that uh, the police officer in Ferguson shoots Michael Brown, that guy, that guy has no future. He, he is totally and royally and completely scurrude. Can't get a job. He's barely making it. If But for the, the kindness of friends and family and generosity, this guy doesn't make it. Darren Wilson was a good cop. He was trying to save his own life. Uh, people want to make a big deal out of how he was. Sh- Michael Brown was shot so many times. Why do you have to shoot him so many times? The fact that Darren wasn't, it doesn't have a job, the fact that he is in no way, shape, or form employable in the United States of America as a police officer tells me that color you are, white, black, or otherwise, but white folk? You're so chicken crap that you sat at home and you went, mm, that's terrible. I'm glad that didn't happen to me. And police officers all around the country, mm, I hope I don't have to shoot nobody. Least of all black. Look, I have great friends who are black police officers. They are police officers first. They happen to be black. And the thing that they've told me more than anything else is, buddy, I pray to God I don't have to shoot a brother or a sister. God forbid I have to shoot a brother or a sister. They're going to take everything from me. 
I don't want to have to. You know what happens when a police officer feels like that, black or white? They get killed. They get a dude in a kufi wearing a white mantle, a ceremonial mantle, Muslim mantle, running up to them with a gun, shooting them, and they get all the way up to the car. That's what happens, folks. I'll tell you this. This is a little bit of truth leaking out of me. They do it on purpose, so we'll back off. But there's a whole lot of Americans that should have been in an uprising. All those people burning those buildings, there should have been 150,000 white and black uh, citizen crime fighters, sheepdogs in the street, saying, oh, no, you don't. Don't throw another one. I don't care that you're burning your own neighborhood. You know why? To me, I look at it and I go, as long as we're not going to spend our money on rebuilding it, I don't care. Burn yourself out. I don't care. If you're so stupid, people that live in that neighborhood, that you're not going to fight these people and talk about, oh, no, I'm not burning my own neighborhood. First of all, you heard last week the great Mark Herr. He told y'all. He was there. He was watching. And it wasn't what you thought it was. By the way, we have chat up here. I see you guys are over here. They opened it and didn't tell me. And <laughs> look at all these comments. I didn't even know it's there. Sorry about that, folks. I got on a little bit of a rant. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Let me see if I can't fix this so it it doesn't do this way. We'll try to open up it again. Folks, there should have been so many good Americans, white, black, purple, I don't care what color. I, I don't care what color. I don't care. So many in Ferguson that, that, that there wasn't a somebody, so, somebody's afraid to light their cigarette for fear that some crime fighter, some sheepdog is going to go, no, you don't. You go ahead and strike that match. You watch and see how quickly your face gets eliminated, liberated from your head. We just lost chat again. Dang on it. Come on now. There should have been so many people there, so many people, that there was no way in this world anybody was going to raise a finger. Defend your land. Now, originally I said, and you heard me say it, uh, originally I would say, I don't care if you burn your own place. I don't care. Burn it out. Set your own houses on fire. I don't care. Sleep in the street. All y'all people seem to have nice enough cars in all those neighborhoods. That you want to ride around and yell stuff out and throw stuff out of, litter on your... I don't care. Put a fence around it. Tell the mailman, you know what you don't deliver there? You don't deliver the mail. You don't deliver the checks. American taxpayers done paying for you. Make a way. Oh, and you think selling and dealing drugs is going to be how you do it? Guess what? You ain't leaving this fence. You're not coming on the other side of this fence until you kill each other. Or till the good people, allegedly good people that live in that area say, mm, no, we've had enough of it. And they figure out a way and they fight and they get their place back. I'd say that if it weren't for the fact that dumb bunch of taxpayers in this country allow their money to keep paying to rebuild things that with no business rebuilding. No business rebuilding. Let the people starve. They're that stupid, that lazy, that worthless. Let them starve. 
Well, what about the children? At some point or another, people got to see what they got to see and deal with what they got to deal with. Enough already. Enough already. Gun owners, people, listen, you got to know better. You got to know better to do better. And you got to know by now, you have got to know by now that if they can do this to Darren Wilson, how about the police officers in, in Baltimore? Freddie Gray, Mr. Sue, everybody. He was already involved in a, a multi-million dollar lawsuit for eating lead. Now, who doesn't know? Who doesn't know that eating lead paint will make you sick? It's one of the biggest lawsuits, and it's easiest to win in Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, lead paint. You believe this? So he's already got a lawsuit going. Most likely going to win. What's he do? He gets in trouble again because he's so stupid. Believably stupid. He's so unbelievably stupid. And he's, he's so high that they can't even strap him down in the van. So they throw him in the back face down and they say, gotta go. They take him there. The other prisoner said they didn't drive crazy. Uh, you know, he was banging his head against the wheel well. And, you know, they did pull over. They tried to calm him down. He went the rest of the way there. You know, he looked fine to me, but he looked like he was high as a kite and he was acting a fool. No, they didn't tune him up. No, they didn't, you know, give him a rough ride, whatever. Folks, you know, I, look, I'm I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to tell you how it is. There's no point. There's no point in in uh, yeah. And uh, one of the people in chat, I'm glad that you put this in. I'm trying to find a, a reliable source of this. I have sources that are reliable, but I can't say where they're from. Um, but the Philadelphia imam knew the shooter, Edward Archer, but he didn't know him by the name Edward Archer. They showed the picture, was shown the picture, and I have this on very, very good uh, information, by the Muslim name of Abdul Shahid. So if you can send me, if that's out in public now, then I'll cite that. But I don't want to cite my source because, you know. Anyway. Folks, they do these things because we allow them to do them. Yep, there we go. Yeah. Zerocensorship.com. U.S. News. Philadelphia mom, new police shooter, Edward Archer, by by the name of Abdul Shahid. Thank you, brother. You're on it. point folks where we have absolutely got to toughen up and I mean toughen up in a way that is just indescribable back in a minute we 
We will be back with Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, after these short messages. Hey, listeners, let me tell you something really quick. Listen, if you own a gun, not even if you carry a gun, not even if you have a concealed carry permit, but if you own a gun, you need to listen up. You need to get a pen, you need to get paper, something. You need to click into your notes in your smartphone and, and take this number down. First of all, the first number is 20630. Don't worry, I'll repeat it. 20630. Listen, you have the right to defend yourself and your loved ones and your home. All of that stuff is true. You know it is. But the moment you pull the trigger or pull your gun, you are at risk for devastating legal and financial consequences. You know, you can be arrested. You can be jailed. You can be sued. You can be fired. You can be bankrupted. Even when you've legally and justifiably used a gun in self-defense. Listen, you don't have to let this happen to you. Just call Second Call Defense. That number you want is 20630. Listen, it's going to get you a whole month free. 20630. I'll give you the number in a second. You're going to enjoy, listen, when you become a member, you're going to enjoy peace of mind of having immediate and comprehensive legal and financial protection at your fingertips the moment you pull your gun, the moment you pull the trigger, no matter where you are in the United States. You just make two calls. Your first call should always be to 911 to request an ambulance and law enforcement. And listen, we'll tell you exactly what to do, what to say, how to say it. Your second call should be the second call defense. Listen, we've got your back. It's complete legal protection for armed self-defense, and it is fully endorsed by the NRA. It's fully backed by the NRA insurance program. Folks, you've got to have this coverage. I have the Cadillac protection, which is the ultimate coverage, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. People say, well, I've got homeowner's coverage. That'll protect me. I've got an umbrella policy, civil liability policy. No, no, it won't. In fact, it's specifically excluded. You say, well, I'll get a a public defender. They'll keep me out of jail. No, they won't. First of all, usually public defenders are from liberal colleges and liberal law schools. They hate guns. They hate people that carry guns. And they don't understand uh, lethal force to start with. They're overworked. They're underpaid. Is that what you want to bet your freedom on? Is that what you want to bet your financial future on? That? Are you kidding me? 877-502-3300. Secondcalldefense.org. You want to give them this number, 20 630. That's a Ninja Pastors number. You give them that, they're going to give you a free month. Go to God and Country Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up. You, you, you know, sign up by the means of putting in your information for the show uh, to follow the show. But there's links on there. Once you do that or on that page, there's a link there. And that will show you exactly where to go. You click on that link, go get all kinds of information. There are no contracts. You're not locked in. And once you get your money back, your free uh, month back, they, they never come back and take it back. This is the best coverage out there. Trust me. I've researched it all. Join today. Welcome back to The Collision of Faith and Politics. Here again is Dr. Sean. Welcome back. Thank you for hanging in there with us. Thank you for all the links. Mobile.philly.com. If you go to uh, mobile.philly.com or philly.com, you'll see it right there where they expose the truth. They didn't, the imam didn't know the shooter Edward, as Edward Archer. knew him by the Muslim name of Abdul Shahid. There you freaking have it. 
Hey, did you know there was an admiral fired for leaking Obama-bought mansion in non-extradition country? Now, I have not been able. This is from before its news. And some of their stuff is dead on accurate. By the way, last week it was great to have right-side news listening. That's pretty cool. We had our lar- largest, excuse me, I got the hiccups now, largest audience yet, well over 600,000 listeners. Um Great to have right side news. You can always depend on that. It's it's some good stuff there. By the way, I have a blog now in my uh on the ninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. You can go there and read that too. I do articles and whatnot. Yes, I do. By the way, uh thank you, Jerry. Uh my mic is still on, just for those of you who couldn't hear what all I was doing. Uh my mic is still on and we're working on a camera to actually put on me during the breaks, just for fun, just so you can see what I do. Right now you can hear what I do, but we're just trying to add some color to the show. You know. I'm just teasing. Yeah, I know it's on. Thank you very much. Well, Sometimes I click the off button, and sometimes if I'm not going to yell a, a, a litany, a stream of profanities because I'm angry. All right, sometimes I do hit the mute button. So before it's news, an exclusive you have to see, the last frontier of free press is here. No more censorship, unlike YouTube and others. On February 20th, 2014, the writer of this, uh, I'm trying to look for his name. There's no name here. On February 20th, 2014, I went on the record saying Benghazi would be the scandal that ultimately lands Obama either with a private suite in the Gray Bar Hotel, otherwise known as Leavenworth, or with a fate far worse than his treasonous activity in a post in a post that was entitled, Admiral Says Obama Conspired with enemies, America's Enemies to Kidnap Christopher Stevens, I said the following. This will be what Obama eventually gets locked up for or flees the country in shame from, but only after all the dust finally settles. First of all, clearly and totally, completely and totally wrong. Because there's nothing this dude or any of these people can do where we will ever grow the cojones to get after them, to show up at their door and to bang on their door and to say, you know what, you're out of here. Go walking or dragged, but you're going. And then when somebody comes along that does have the cojones to do just that, by the name of Ted Cruz, we want to say, I mean, he's not, he's not a, he's not constitutional. Not a citizen. Sorry, can't be elected. He's the only one with the cojones so far to jump in the face. You say, you show me uh, Trump. Hey, listen! I never said Donald Trump didn't have the cojones. We just don't. Know. We're not. We're just not positive on where he actually stands. Because if we look back in his history, my one of my struggles with Donald Trump is he's been on so many sides of the fence in the last ten years—not twenty years, ten years. It's hard to know where he stands. And 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 I'll tell you right now, just what I know about Donald Trump, I take him a far sight behind anything the left has to put up. And do I think our enemies would be scared of him? You had better believe it. Do I like how he says things? No, I don't. Yeah, But do I or don't I? Because sometimes I do. People say, well, it's so crude, Ninja Pastor. It's so crude. He's so crude sometimes. I don't care. Toughen up, buttercup. Anyway, PJ Media reported, and this is a separate article, the former diplomats inform PJM, PJ Media, pajama maker, the new revelations concentrate in two areas, which... What Ambassador Chris Stevens was actually doing in Benghazi, I broke it here first. I told you it was on another network at the time. 
I told you that Christopher Stevens is not, in fact, an ambassador. He was a uh, CIA guy. I mean, he's it's a consulate, but it's it's a different deal. The situation there is altogether different in Benghazi. It was not what you think it was. Anyway, more on that in a second. General Carter Ham, he was then the commander of the U.S. Africa Command, or AFRICOM, therefore responsible for Libya. He was ordered to not act to protect the jeopardized U.S. personnel. Chris Stevens' mission in Benghazi, they will say, was to buy back Stinger missiles from al-Qaeda groups issued to them by the State Department, not by the CIA. Such a mission would usually be a CIA effort, but the intelligence agency had opposed the idea because of the high risk involved in arming insurgents. CIA said, look, we can't arm these insurgents. These people are they're going to shoot down civilian aircrafts. And you may recall at that time, General Ham, Carter Ham, like the 300 other military personnel at the highest levels, was relieved, also relieved by, relieved of duty by Obama. It has been said that when General Ham received the stand-down order for Benghazi, within minutes of saying, screw it, we're going anyway, and planning to proceed anyway, he was relieved of his command, physically relieved of his command. This is what we need to do with Barack Hussein Obama, John Kerry, uh, Hillary Clinton, all these people. They, they just need to be yanked from office. Mayor Kennedy from, Kennedy from Philadelphia. Yank them from office. Get them out of there. February 20th was the first time this guy put it in writing, but ever since the 400 Stinger missiles being stored in the Benghazi embassy, uh, missiles in an embassy, hello, went missing, I've been saying that Barack Obama would flee the country when the heat finally gets too hot for him. Those would be the same Stinger missiles that one of them shot down the Chinook carrying 22 members of SEAL Team 6, DevGrew, and the investigation, Extortion 17, into Obama has been stonewalling for some time now. Now an admiral is fired for leaking Obama leaking that Obama bought a mansion. <coughs> Excuse me. In a non-extradition country. Hang on one second. I have a cough due to cold. AW News, AWD News writes, stunning new foreign intelligence service. Report circulating the Kremlin today states that United Sta- one of the United States Navy's top commanders was relieved of his command a few hours ago after he sent out an email or a posting revealing that President Barack Hussein Obama is in the process of purchasing, purchasing a multi-million dollar seaside luxury villa in the United Arab Emirates City, UAE, of Dubai. Rear Admiral... Rick Williams posted a pointed query on 8 January since deleted to the United States Naval Institute's readiness kill chain, recipients, responders list, as to why Navy security and intelligence personnel had been dispatched from Naval Support Facility Thermont, a.k.a. Camp David, to Dubai on what he termed was an Obama house-hunting mission. Within 18 hours of Admiral Williams posting this query, this report continues to the United States Navy's 3rd Fleet Commander, Vice Admiral Nora Tyson, Acting on direct orders from her commander-in-chief, President Barack Hussein Obama, fired Admiral Williams, stating her action was due to loss of confidence in his command ability to command because of his allegations of misuse of government computer equipment. <laughs> when further questioned by Russia Today journalists via email to provide more details about Admiral Williams following, this report notes the Pentagon failed to reply, but then began releasing anonymous stories to the U.S. press that Admiral Williams had been viewing pornography on his computer. 
to such an absurd claim that Ad- Admiral Williams or any other United States Navy officer or seaman, in fact, could – that's ironic. Kind of an ironic turn of words there, don't you think? Navy seaman recruit is the lowest rank. Admiral's the highest. You get that. But, you know, anyway. This is what we call a double entendre. Apparently, this is not even true. You know, this whole story is not true. But my point here is this. You need to understand this. You ready? I'm going to say something that's very important. Are you guys ready? Even though this putts in the White House has every bit, every bit of power behind him. Every bit. To do this. To buy a mansion in the UAE, to do all these things. Here's the fact. Here's the point I want you to understand. Barack Hussein Obama bit the heads off of live kitty cats on national television while shouting Alua Akbar, waving an ISIS flag. Right on television. The American people would just shake their heads and go, hmm. Whoa, that's a shame. You know how I know that? Because these people get away with every single thing that they do because we don't raise a fuss. We let a police officer be in a fight for his life and then lose his job and be run out of town. Never work again. Because a bum, just because he happened to be black, a bum. Wanted to kill him. And we don't stand up for the police officer. You know how else I know? Talked about this last week. This is how else I know. You ready? Because we're allowing ranchers, legal ranchers, to be put back into prison after they've already served a sentence. Do you understand this, folks? Out in Oregon, there's a standoff right now, and everything that's being said about these ranchers is a complete and absolute lie. At Cal, Cal Living, um, would American people even watch that display of stupidity from the? Probably not. You know, you're 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 right. They probably wouldn't even pay attention. They wouldn't even care. Libs don't care what's on TV unless it's a stupid show that's corrupt to God's laws. Amen. Amen. Look, look, we have news outlets all across America that are reporting what they know are absolute lies, including Fox News Channel. Let me tell you why. I'm going to give you some history now. I don't even know if we have time to do it. What time is it? Oof, I don't know. I'm going to try to do it. Let's see what we can do. I'm going to give you some history. Look, the politicians, they know this history. They know this history. The law enforcement people that are involved with this, they know the history. They know the truth. They don't have another viewpoint. 
They don't have another story. They know the truth and are working against it. And they don't want you to know the truth. But the press, sad as it may be, the press also has the truth. And they don't care. And you know what? Apparently you don't either. Because people have been put back in prison after they served their sentence. And the only people that have the cojones to do anything are people they're now describing, the government and the press are now describing as anti-government, anarchists, supremacists, trespassers, terrorists. Last week we alluded to it. I'm going to tell you more. Here's the history of the Harney Basin. The Harney Basin is where the Hammond Ranch is established. You need to understand this basin and this ranch area was established in the 1870s. Did you catch that? The 1870s. Valley was settled by multiple ranchers and was known to have run over 300,000 head of cattle. These ranchers developed a state-of-the-art irrigation system. And they did this to water the meadows. They did it to make the, the grass more fertile. And it soon became a favorite stopping place for migrating birds on their way north. Now, you need to understand this. You understand this. They were so successful. They were so successful in their irrigation system that it altered the migration pattern for migratory birds. That's the real deal, folks. That's success. And the government didn't do that. These far- these ranchers and these farmers did it. These ranchers and these farmers did it. They did it. Government didn't do it. Bureau of Land Management didn't exist then. Fish and Wildlife Service didn't exist then. For that matter, the Mueller National Wildlife Refuge didn't exist then. These dumb old ranchers don't know no better. Birds knew better. In 1908, President Theodore Roosevelt, in a political scheme, created an Indian reservation. Now, I'm using that word intentionally, around the Malheur, Mud, and Harney Lakes, and declared it as a preserve and breeding ground for native birds. Even though he had nothing to do with it, and his government had nothing to do with, nor any government entity had anything to do with it becoming a breeding ground for native birds. It had nothing to do with it. So later, and this is important, hang with me. This is important. You've you got to know this part to know how egregious this is and how much you should be dragging these government officials from their offices in handcuffs. Later, this Indian reservation with, without, I might add, Indians, called an Indian reservation because now it comes under laws, special laws, special federal laws. You call something that it, there's special laws that are that affect it, but this Indian reservation without Indians became the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. In 1964, the Hammonds purchased their ranch in the Harney Basin. They purchased it, it was surveyed, with 6,000 uh, acres of private property, four grazing rights on uh, public land, a small ranch house, and three water rights. They purchased. Ranch is about 53 miles south of Burns, Oregon. Now, you might say, if you don't know any better and you've never dealt with anything like this, you might say, well, my land's 
6,000 acres of private property, my lands, they must be rich folk. I don't feel bad for them. I don't know anybody who owns 6,000 acres. They weren't rich people. It was 1964, and that's how it works. And basically, you know, it didn't sell for very much. And when you have that many head of cattle, guess what you have to do? They have to have grazing lands. This is out west, folks. By the 1970s, nearly all the ranches adjacent to the Blitzen Valley, which is what this, where this is, it's called the Blitzen Valley, were purchased by the United States. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this again. By the 1970s, nearly all the ranches, privately held ranches adjacent to the Blitzen Valley, were purchased by the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, or we'll call it FWS, and added to the Maller National Wildlife Refuge. Now, this refuge covers over 187,000 acres and stretches over 45 miles long and 37 miles wide. The expansion of the refuge grew and surrounds the Hammond Ranch. If you look at a map, the Hammond Ranch is actually surrounded by this refuge. Literally, they are like an island. Being approached many times by the Fish and Wildlife Services, or, or FWS, the Hammonds refused to sell. They say, hey, this is where we live. And you know what? Some other ranchers also chose not to sell. They said, this is where we live. This is what we do. We've been here a long time. We're not moving. Why would we move? During the 1970s, the Fish and Wildlife Service, in conjunction with the Bureau of Land Management, or BLM, took a different approach to get the ranchers to sell. Now, I'm going to say this again in a different way. During the 1970s, the government agency and then the government agency, federal, took a different approach to get the ranchers to sell. Ranchers were told that grazing was detrimental to wildlife and must be reduced. Really? Because that's been, that's been done. That's been done for hundreds of years. Been none for 100 years. 32 out of 53 existing permits were revoked, and many ranchers were forced to leave. Let me say this about that. And I need you to, I need you to listen, gun people. I need you to listen, people that have a concealed carry permit. I need you to listen, folks, that, uh, you know, they believe that when the government says, well, they want us to register the guns so that, you know, if one ever goes missing, we have a record, blah, blah, blah. I need you to listen, folks. I'm going to say it again. You have your permit. You legally have your permit to have your gun and to carry your gun concealed. 32 out of 53 permits were revoked and many ranchers were forced to leave. I'm going to say it again differently. 32 out of 53 permits were revoked and many good, law-abiding citizens were forced to give up their guns. You say it can't happen. Folks running around talking about, well, uh, 215 million hunters say different. Don't get me started on that. 32 out of 53 permits revoked. And when you don't have a place to graze your animals, you don't have a place to water your animals, guess what happens? you got to go because your animals are dying. Same people that believe in PETA and all this other crap, hurting animals. They let them die. 
The remaining areas, uh, grazing fees were raised significantly for those who were allowed to remain. They chose certain people to remain and certain people they said, ah, you got to go. Your grazing fees have gone from instead of uh, $2,500 per 10 head of cattle per year to 200000 Who can afford that? Ready for this. Remember that great irrigation system? Do you remember that? Remember I told you about that? And migratory birds changed changed their migratory patterns because of it. Guess what happened next? You got it. The government, refuge personnel, took over the irrigation system, claiming it as their own. Said, hey, this is ours. Woohoo! By 1980, a conflict was well on its way over water allocations on the adjacent privately owned Sylvie's Plain. The FWS wanted to acquire the ranch lands on the Sylvie's Plain to add to their already vast holdings. Because they were power hungry. And you know what has the power when you have animals that you're raising, you're ranching? You need feed, you need graze, and you need water. And now the government held all of it. Personnel intentionally diverted the water to bypassing the vast meadowlands directing the water into the rising Maller Lakes. Within a few short years, the surface area of the lakes doubled. Let me say that again. Within a few short years, the surface area of the lakes doubled. We just had a lot of uh, flooding out in the Midwest. Water only went up 12 feet, some places as high as 21 feet. And there were massive flooding. Thousands of people's homes gone. The surface area of these lakes doubled. 31 ranches on the Sylvie's Plains were completely and totally flooded. Homes, corrals, barns, grazeland all washed away and destroyed, and no one offered to pay a dime to these displaced ranchers. The ranchers that once fought to keep the FWS from taking their land, now they're broke and they're destroyed, and they're begging the government who created the problem in the first place. Can you please fix it? Can you please help me? So what did they do? They got offered pennies on the dollar for their useless ranches. In 1989, the waters began to recede, and now the once-thriving, privately-owned Sylvie's Plains are a proud part of the Maller National Wildlife Refuge, otherwise claimed by the government. And you're right. Living. This could and will happen to city gardens on your property to support the farmers that follow the law of the government. If they can do it there, they'll do it here. By the 1990s, see the story doesn't end there. By the 1990s, the Hammonds were one of the very few ranchers that still owned. You could say they were bullheaded or they just liked freedom. They were one of the very few ranchers that still owned private property adjacent to the refuge. Susie Hammond, Mrs. Hammonds, in an effort to make sense of what was going on, began compiling facts about the refuge. In a hidden public record, she found a study that was done by the Fish and Wildlife Service, by them themselves in 1975. The studies showed that the no-use policies of the FWS, in other words, they would block out thousands of acres and say, yep, you can't use it. The no-use policies on the FWS on the refuge were causing the wildlife to leave the refuge and move to private property. Why? Because private people created the irrigation system. Private people want the animals to thrive. 
Studies show that the private property adjacent to the Maller Wildlife Refuge produced four times more ducks and geese than the refuge itself did. It also showed that the migrating birds were 13 times more likely to land on a private property than on the refuge. When Susie Hammond brought this to the attention of the FWS and refuge personnel, she and her family became the subject of a long train of abuses and corruptions. In the early 1990s, the Hammonds filed on a livestock water source deed and obtained a deed for the water right from the state of Oregon, which is how they were supposed to do it. When the Bureau of Land Management, or BLM, and the United States Fish and Wildlife Service, in other words, the government, found out that the Hammonds had now obtained new water rights near the Mallor Wildlife Refuge, they were agitated, they became belligerent, they became vindictive. The government now had a vendetta against the Hammonds. The United States Fish and Wildlife Service challenged the Hammonds' right to the water in an Oregon State Circuit Court, which is where it should have been held. The court found that the Hammonds did legally obtain rights to the water in accordance with state law, and therefore the use of the water belongs to the Hammonds. Didn't stop there. In August of 1994, the Bureau of Land Management and Fish and Wildlife Service began building illegally building a fence around the Hammonds water source. Owning the water rights and knowing that their cattle relied on the water source daily, the Hammonds tried to stop the building of the fence. The Bureau of Land Management and the Fish and Wildlife Service, in other words, the government, called the Harney County Sheriff Department and had Dwight Hammond, the father, arrested and charged with disturbing and interfering with federal officials or federal contractors, two counts each of felony. Dwight Hammond spent one night in the Deschutes County Jail in Bend, Oregon, and a second night behind bars in Portland before he was hauled before a federal magistrate and released without bail. A hearing on the charges was postponed, and the federal judge never set another date. Fish and Wildlife Service, in other words, the government, also began restricting access to upper pieces of the Hammond private property. In other words, they barred them from their own property. In order to get to the upper part of the Hammonds Ranch, they had to go on a road that went through the Maller Wildlife Refuge. Then the Fish and Wildlife Service began barricading the road and threatening the Hammonds if they drove through it. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second, and I'm going to ask you something. Are you sitting there, one of 600-plus thousand people listening to this show, are you sitting there, and at this point, are you saying to yourself, self, because that's what I call myself when I talk to myself, is self, Self, this can't possibly be true, or I would have heard about it. This can't possibly be true because the government and and all the people that are talking these talking heads, the the Fox News and the CNN and all these other people calling these people terrorists, this can't possibly be true. Every bit of it, absolutely true. I've I've fact checked every single thing. So they began barricading the road and threatening the Hammonds. If you drive through it, we're going to lock you up. The Hammonds removed the barricades and gates and continued. Now, this is on their land, folks. You understand this. road was proven later to be owned. The main road, was, which they were putting up barricades as well, owned by the county of Harney, Harney County. This further enraged the BLM and the FWS because they were told, you got to take them down. You can't have them up there. This is a county road. 
You'd be mad at the Hammonds all you want, but you got to take these down. They were enraged. Shortly after the road and water disputes, the BLM and FWS arbitrarily revoked the Hammonds' upper grazing permit without any given cause, no court proceeding, and no court ruling. As a traditional fence-out state, Oregon requires no obligation on the part of an owner to keep his or her livestock within a fence or maintain control over the movement of the livestock. In other words, they can do what's called free grazing. That's the law. The Hammonds intended to still use their private property for grazing. However, they were informed that a federal judge ruled in a federal court that the federal government did not have to observe the Oregon fence-out law. Those laws are for the people, not for them. That's what they said. The Hammonds were forced to either build and maintain miles upon miles of fences or be strict be restricted from the use of their own private property. And because they couldn't afford to fence their whole property, they cut their ranch literally in half so the cattle were removed from their land. The Hammonds experienced many years of financial hardship, as you might imagine, due to the ranch being diminished. Look, you can't you can't have a business that you cut in half You cut your resources in half and not have that crush you financially. You know what's coming. The Hammonds had to sell their ranch and their home in order to purchase another property that did have enough grass to feed their cattle. The property included two grazing rights on public land. By the way, they bought this land legally. That came with legally owned grazing rights. And once the government found out they bought it, those were also arbitrarily revoked. The owner of Hammond's original ranch passed away. In other words, the Hammond sold the ranch to a family, and the owner of the ranch passed away. He had a heart attack. And the Hammonds approached that family and said, Hey, we'd sure like to buy. It means a lot to us. Could we please? So they did. They bought it on a, a combination trade and purchase. In the early fall of 2001, Stephen Hammond, he's the son, he's 46 years old, he called the fire department. He informed them, hey, we're going to be performing a routine prescribed burn on the ranch, as we've done all these years. Later that day, all ranchers do it. He started a prescribed fire on their private property, but the winds went wild. The fire went onto public land. It burned only 127 acres of grass, and it didn't ruin it. It just burned it. You could see evidence of, of different bits and pieces. The Hammonds themselves put the fire out. There was no communication about the burn from federal government to the Hammonds at that time. They said nothing to them. This is in the early fall of 2001. Prescribed fires, folks. Native Americans did it all the time. Ranchers have done it all the time for hundreds of years. This is what you do. You burn the undergrowth. You lower the chance of major fires. Look, lightning strikes out there are a huge thing. Speaking of lightning strikes, five years later, there was a massive lightning event. Massive lightning storm. It started multiple fires, and those fires joined together, inflaming the entire countryside. To prevent the fire from destroying their winter range and possibly their home, Stephen Hammond, he's the son, started a backfire on their private property. This is what you do. Backfires are, uh, they save much of the range and vegetation needed to feed the cattle through the winter. It was successful. They put out the lightning fires. The lightning fires had covered thousands of acres, 
and the government couldn't put it out. But what happens? The Hammonds backfire works perfectly. It put out the fire, saved the range in the Hammonds' home. The next day, federal agents. Now, folks, I want you to understand this. This is in 2006. 2001 was the first backfire. That's when it went on the 127 acres. They put it out themselves. 2006, this is when the lightning storm happens. Thousands of acres are burned. Hammond started a backfire. Saved much of the range, stopped the fire, the major fire that's burned thousands of acres, and saved their home and their winter range. The next day, federal agents went to the Harney County Sheriff's Office and filed a police report making an accusation against Dwight and Stephen Hammond for starting the backfire. A few days later, after the backfire, uh, a range con from Burns District BLM office asked Stephen if he would meet him in town. He said, hey, hey, buddy, guy I've known for a long time, you want to come into French Glen, the next town over, for coffee? I'd like to sit and talk with you. Stephen, being a super nice guy, everybody that knows the Hammonds, says, look, they're nice people. These are these are salt of the earth, God-fearing, loving people. They're good people. They're hard work, and they'll do anything for you. So Stephen, accepting an invitation for coffee, says, sure, I'll meet you. What happens when he gets there? He's arrested by the Harney County Sheriff Dave Glarup, who is a raging liberal, by the way, and BLM Ranger Orr. Sheriff Glarup then ordered him to go back to the ranch and bring back his father. So both Dwight and Stephen were booked on multiple Oregon state charges. The Harney County District Attorney reviewed the accusation. Let me say this again. The Harney County District Attorney, District Attorney, District Attorney of Harney County, the county district attorney, the highest law enforcement in the in the uh, Harney County, reviewed the accusation, evidence, and charges, and determined that the accusations against Dwight and Stephen Hammond did not warrant prosecution, and he dropped all of the charges. Are you with me? In 2011, remember, this is, this is in 2006 this happens. In 2011, five years after the report was taken, the United States Attorney's Office accused Dwight and Stephen Hammond of completely different charges. They accused them of being terrorists under the Federal Anti-Terrorism Effective Death Penalty Act of 1996. And this act carries a minimum sentence of five years in prison and a maximum sentence of death. The very next week, Dwight and Stephen's mugshots were all over the news. And they were describing them as arsonists. The wife and mother, Dwight Hammond and Dwight Hammond's wife and, and Stephen Hammond's mother, Susie, said, I would walk down the street or go in a store and people I'd known for years would take extreme measures to avoid me. Shortly after the sentencing, Capitol Press ran a story about the Hammonds. A person who identified himself as Greg Allen posted three comments on the article. I want to say this again. I want to say it slowly. Capitol Press, newspaper, ran a story about the Hammonds. And a person who was identified in the article as Greg Allen posted three comments on the article calling the ranchers clowns who endangered firefighters and other people in the area while burning valuable rangeland. <laughs> Only one problem with that, folks. Greg Allum, who was a retired Bureau of Land Management heavy equipment operator, soon called Capitol Press to complain, hey, I didn't make those comments, and I want you to take them down. 
Capital Press said, ooh, well, we didn't know. We were told this was you. Capital Press removed the comments. Then they did a search of the Internet Protocol address or the IP address associated with the comments, and they revealed that it was, in fact, owned. The IP address came back to where the comments were made were in the Bureau of Land Management's office in Denver, Colorado. Alum said, I'm friends with the Hammonds. And some of the neighbors that knew I would never have said that about the Hammonds let me know. Look, I feel bad for them. They've lost a lot, and they're going to lose more. They're not terrorists. There's this hatred in the BLM for them, and I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why, the retired BLM employee said. Jody Weil, Deputy State Director for Communications at the BLM's Oregon office, indicated to reporters that if one of their agents falsified the documents, they would keep it private and not inform the public. That's how we handle things. In September 2006, Dwight and Susan, you ready? You with me on this? It gets worse. I got to hurry. In September 2006, Dwight and Susan Hammond's home was raided. The agents informed the Hammonds that they were looking for evidence that would connect them to the fires. The Hammonds later found out that a boot print and tire tracks were found near one of the many fires. No matching boots or tires were found in the Hammonds' home or on the property. Susie Hammond later said, I have never felt so violated in my life. We're ranchers. We're not criminals. Stephen Hammond openly maintains his testimony that he started the backfire to save the winter grass from being destroyed and that the backfire ended up working so well it put the entire fire out. Judge Michael Hogan did not allow time for testimonies. The federal judge said he gave the prosecuting attorney, Frank Papagni, six full days. He could do anything he wanted in six full days to demonize the Hammonds, anything he wanted. The Hammonds attorney, one day. He was allowed only one day. The jury never got to hear any of the facts that I've just read to you. None of the scientific findings. Nothing. Federal attorneys Frank Papagni hunted down a witness that was not mentally capable. The Dusty Hammond, he's a grandson and nephew, testified that Stephen told him to start a fire. He was 13 at the time and 24 when he testified, 11 years later. At age 24, Dusty had been suffering with many well-known mental problems. He had estranged his family, including his own mother. The judge noted that Dusty's memories as a 13-year-old boy were not clear or credible. He allowed the prosecution to continually use Dusty's testimony anyway. Judge Michael Hogan and Frank Papagni tampered with the jury process many times throughout the proceeding. They only allowed people on the jury that didn't understand customs and culture of ranchers or how the land is used or cared for. He also forced the jurors to drive back and forth to Pendleton every day, two hours each way. We're going to finish this next week. you got to hear the rest of this. Sorry I couldn't get through all this. What are you going to do? Thank you for joining us today. This is how bad it is. You feeling me here? This is how bad it is. This is real. It's time to stop talking and start doing. It's literally...
Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at the ninja pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio and at www.drseangreener.com. In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.